Coming up on Stu Does America, there's been a lot of misinformation and bad reporting on the tragic death of Breonna Taylor. I'll take you through the facts tonight. And if you've been on the internet today, you've seen Beirut blow up. Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell is here with some theories and angles that I guarantee you haven't heard about yet. Time for the plugs. All right, YouTube viewers, subscribe, comment, and like our videos, even this one, even right now, before you forget or I say something that pisses you off. Uh, podcast listeners, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars, and we'd like to read your reviews at the end of our episodes. And uh, join the ultra-conservative, ultra-special, ultra-cool, yes, the Conservanerds Cool Kids Club, the Blaze TV subscription. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Hopefully you find the show occasionally funny and lighthearted overall, as well as informative. But tonight, we need to swap our giggling beanies for our critical thinking caps. Can we do that? Is it even possible in America in 2020? Let's find out. Stu does America. Brianna Taylor's name has been... And it's become synonymous with the Black Lives Matter narrative of a systemically racist police force who's constantly going rogue and murdering African-Americans for no reason. Yes, you've seen her name everywhere, usually surrounded by the phrase, say her name. Brianna Taylor. 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 We've talked numerous times about this anti-police narrative in general and how it's not true. Full stop. Go back and watch Stu Does Cops uh, as an episode. I think you'll appreciate the facts and numbers there. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. As many times as it's been tried, reciting five or six names of African-Americans killed by police is not an argument. It's a list of names. Many times it's a list of names that includes people who were attacking the police officers at the time of the shooting. There is no systemic genocide of black Americans or any other kind of Americans by police. On the other hand, there are some examples of real racism. And when they happen, they should be called out in the harshest of terms. So does this apply to Breonna Taylor? Here's what actually happened. Breonna Taylor didn't do anything wrong. No one was accusing her of doing anything wrong. They were accusing her ex-boyfriend, a guy by the name of Jamarcus Glover. Glover was a suspected drug dealer that police seem to have a lot of evidence on. They had seen him traveling to various known drug houses in the area. Brianna Taylor seemed to keep in touch with her ex-boyfriend a little bit, and he was seen by police in January showing up at Taylor's apartment and leaving a short time later with a package. He then left and went directly to a known drug house, according to police. The theory was that her ex-boyfriend, the alleged drug dealer, was receiving likely illicit packages at Brianna Taylor's address, essentially using it as a safe place to get contraband that no one would know about. Now, there is some conflicting evidence on whether this was true. Police say they talked to a U.S. postal inspector and they verified that these packages were being received. But another inspector said they were not, so we don't know. Regardless, police said that they believed Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend slash drug dealer was, quote, keeping narcotics and or proceeds from the sale of narcotics in her apartment. So one myth we can clear up. The widespread report slash rumor that police went to the wrong house is not true. Police actually conducted two raids that night, one on the ex-boyfriend where they took him into custody. He's planning to plead, uh, plead not guilty. The other raid was at Brianna Taylor's apartment. 
Police arrived around 12.30 a.m. and Brianna Taylor was in her bed with her new boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. They were watching a movie. Now, there's some disagreement about what happened next. You've probably heard that the police used a no-knock warrant to break down the door and enter Taylor's apartment. However, we can clear up another myth, and we know this with 100% certainty, that the police actually did knock. How do we know that? Well, number one, the police said that they did. Number two, as they were knocking, a neighbor woke up and poked their head out of the door to see what was going on. And number three, Kenneth Walker, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, said he heard banging on the door, which got both of them up out of bed. This is another widely discussed myth. Brianna Taylor did not get shot in her bed. She had come out of her bedroom into the hall to find out what was going on. Police say they announced who they were over and over again in an attempt to get Taylor to answer the door. They didn't know that Walker, the boyfriend, was in the apartment. Walker said he heard the knocking, and both he and Taylor were loudly yelling, who is it, but getting no response. It's hard to know what really happened here, honestly. There is no recording or video to speak of. It's quite possible they're actually both telling the truth. Police are banging on the door at a high-tension moment while neighbors are popping out of their doors. It's very possible they didn't even hear a response. On the other hand, Kenneth Walker is half asleep. He hears the banging. He goes and gets dressed. And above the banging, doesn't hear the police identify themselves. It's definitely possible that Walker moved as fast as he could to get to, uh, to the door once he was jarred awake and the police thought it was taking too long. To them, they may have thought that the waiting was caused by hiding evidence, which of course is quite common in this type of situation. This is where you see a series of horrible, unlucky, and completely understandable events unfold. Just as Walker was approaching the door, the police decided they had waited long enough and knocked the door in. Walker, a legal concealed carry permit holder, had grabbed his gun because if you don't grab your gun when you hear loud banging at your door at midnight, then you will never grab your gun. In a bit of irony, Walker said he worried that the person at the door was Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover, the guy who was actually being arrested across town and the target of the investigation. When Walker saw the door get kicked in and he has no idea who it is, he uses his firearm to protect himself. Now, you should always try to see what you're shooting at. But man, I mean, if I think a drug dealer in the middle of the night is in the middle of a home invasion with my loved ones on the line, I can't say I would do anything different. Remember, he hasn't seen who this is, and it's unclear that he would have time to, you know, ask them for their picture IDs. It's dark, it's midnight, and someone has just knocked his door in. Officer Jonathan Mattingly is the first one to peek behind the door after it is knocked in. He says he can briefly make out the outline of a man and a woman and the barrel of a gun. Here's another media narrative that goes up in flames. We're told the police are racist hate mongers thirsting for blood. But look at this from the police perspective for a second. They have just knocked with supposedly no response. They decide to go into the apartment where they think one person is inside. Instead, they find two people, one of which has a gun pointed at them. Walker, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, understandably thinks he is under attack and fires his weapon. The bullet hits Officer Mattingly in the leg and severed his femoral artery. I don't blame Walker for what happened here. But the dude shot a cop. Are we supposed to be surprised when a cop gets shot that all hell is going to rain down on whoever pulled the trigger? 
That's how this works. Again, I can't blame Walker here for trying to defend himself, but police officers really don't like getting shot. The media and activists have gone out of their way to make Breonna Taylor into the symbol of an open and shut case of racism. But her boyfriend shot a cop. Have you ever even heard of that in the media? You never hear this stuff. Of course, the officers immediately fired back, almost certainly trying to kill Walker, not Taylor. However, it was Breonna Taylor who was shot multiple times, killing her in her own apartment. There are two major critical narratives of police in this country. One, the Black Lives Matter style critique, which paints cops as racist and bloodthirsty. They prowl minority neighborhoods looking for an excuse to kill African-Americans. The other major critique is from libertarians who argue that police have become more militarized and are increasingly using these overpowering tactics in situations that do not call for them. This view was most uh, perhaps perhaps most prominently outlined by Radley Balco in his book, Rise of the Warrior Cop. Back in 2013, I talked to Balco about the premise of his book. You tell me if this sounds like he's describing the Breonna Taylor incident. Started in the mid to late 60s with the first SWAT team in Los Angeles. Uh, and, you know, for about the first 15 years after we had SWAT teams, they were used uh, primarily in emergency type situations where you had lives at risk. Uh, but in the 1980s and up until today, basically, uh, we've seen a gradual expansion of the use of SWAT teams, uh, starting with uh, serving warrants on you know, drug people suspected of drug crimes. Uh, and so the book is really looks at kind of how we got here and how we got to the point where we're breaking into homes in the middle of the night to serve warrants and, and really creating violence and confrontation where there was none before. Brianna Taylor is not an example of police attempting to hunt down African-Americans because of their out of control racism. It's an example of the libertarian critique of the police. It's not that individual officers are out for blood. It's that the policies of increased firepower and use of SWAT teams and SWAT-like tactics for nonviolent crimes has escalated out of control. Let me give you a story that sounds very similar to the Breonna Taylor story from Radley Balco's book. Aaron Autry was hosting a poker tournament in his Greenville, South Carolina home when police began breaking down the door with a battering ram. Autry had begun carrying a gun after being robbed. Thinking he was about to be robbed again, he fired through the door, wounding Deputy Matthew May in both arms. The other officers opened fire into the building. Miraculously, only Autry was hit. As he fell back into the hallway, other players report, uh, reported him asking, why didn't you tell me it was the cops? The raid team claimed they knocked and announced several times before putting, battering, uh, before, uh, putting ram to door, but other players said they heard no knock or an announcement. When Autry recovered, he was charged with attempted murder. As part of the agreement, he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to five years in prison. By the way, the police initially charged Breonna Taylor's boyfriend the same way. Possibly because of the attention on her story, those charges were later dropped. You might know Breonna Taylor's name, but you don't know Aaron Autry's name. He was a 73-year-old white guy, and Radley Balco has been the only person trying to get people to say his name. But this sort of thing is a real problem, just not for the reasons every uninformed NBA announcer wants you to believe. Here's Balco again from 2013. You know, 100 to 150 times a day in this country, a SWAT team, a team of police officers armed and trained like soldiers, breaks into a private home uh, to serve a warrant for a drug crime. 
Uh, you know, oh, that wow. is, uh, that's something that we need to consider and, and debate and discuss a little bit and, and, you know, debate whether that's appropriate uh, in a free society. 100 to 150 times a day. It's amazing we don't have many more Breonna Taylors to talk about. When you look at the Breonna Taylor story, it's a lot more complicated than the simple narrative applied to it by the media. When you look at the actions taken during the situation, many of them make plenty of sense. If I'm startled awake in the middle of the night by a loud banging at my door, I'm grabbing my gun too. When someone I think is a jealous drug dealer knocks that door down, yeah, I'm firing that gun, yes. If I'm an officer who enters an apartment and sees the barrel of a gun, a flash, and then my leg feels like it's on fire and blood is going everywhere, hell yeah, I'm firing back. None of the actions on either side of that situation are crazy to me. But there's no reason the situation had to exist in the first place. There is no reason to go to a woman's apartment who has no criminal record in the middle of the night to break her door down and hopefully find evidence of a drug crime in the middle of a pandemic, no less. It's true what happened to Breonna Taylor should not have happened. By all accounts, she was a pretty great person, and this is a legitimate tragedy. But it is not evidence of the racism of the police, who weren't even targeting Taylor when they fired and had no idea that her boyfriend was even there, let alone his race. Our police are heroes and oftentimes are the best people among us. They're brave and selfless and risk their lives to protect us every day. We shouldn't put them in situations like the one that ended Breonna Taylor's life and got Officer Mattingly shot. We shouldn't put legal gun owners in the position that we put Kenneth Walker in. And we shouldn't put people like Breonna Taylor, a woman with no record and no charges against her, in a position where she can't feel safe in her own apartment. We should remember Breonna Taylor, but not as some BLM slogan, as an individual whose right to life rises far above the color of her skin. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Black Rifle Coffee. It's a great coffee company, veteran-owned and operated, a premium small-batch roast-to-order coffee company. Do you want coffee that's going to be just trash from some crappy store brand that you don't even really like, and you're just buying it because it's the first thing you see? Why do that? Why not treat yourself a little bit, especially when we're coming back off of a pandemic? If you're going back to work, you're going back to the office, why not join the Black Rifle Coffee Club? Uh, they can get you monthly deliveries of all the types of coffee that you want. They have all sorts of different roasts and blends and all sorts of great stuff. And they'll give it to you at a special discounted price, shipped free directly to your home or office every month. Uh, that's what I have at the house. I remember my wife constantly always had drinking half the coffee and then putting it in the microwave, heating it back up, and then leaving it there all day. doesn't happen anymore with Black Rifle Coffee. you got to try this as well. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Enter the discount code stew to receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including Black Rifle Coffee Club. Make sure to use that code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show, and you'll get that 20% off. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Joined now by head researcher and writer of the Glenn Beck program, of course, that's Jason Buttrell. Jason, thanks for uh, coming on the uh, show. Um, I am fascinated to get your take on the Beirut situation because 
my level of knowledge at this point is, whoa, look at that explosion video. It's like, insane. That's, uh, I mean, and it looks insane. And, I mean, a terrible, terrible tragedy as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of human life lost. Where does this thing stand? Do we know anything about it yet? I was watching Lebanon for a completely different reason uh, yesterday. Mm. And it was because uh, this is and th- this will tie in. But there is currently a case. Uh, it's a U.N. tribunal that's been going on since really since 2005. And I don't know if you remember, but the Lebanese prime minister Hariri was assassinated by Hezbollah allegedly, but we know it was Hezbollah, um, and four members are implicated. I don't even think they're in custody. I think they're, uh, they're either dead or somewhere else. They might be dead. They might have died in the, uh, in the truck bomb. But Hezbollah is about to be implicated, everyone thinks, and this is supposed to go down on Friday. So I was just looking at the situation because right now, this is the worst time for anything to happen in Lebanon. Absolute worst. You have that going on. Uh, they're going through, like I think, the worst financial crisis they've ever had. Um, the uh, corona not, not, is a pretty big as well. There, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, they don't have enough food, really, to, to feed people now. And now the port of Beirut, which just exploded, that's where most of their food comes in from. So they are hurting, hurting, hurting. That, that's an understatement right now. We should, and for, let's take a quick second here. And, and I, mean, I mean, if you're on Twitter or any social media, I'm sure you've seen one of the 500 videos. Because this is one of those situations like 9-11 where something happened initially. So everyone pointed their cameras at it. And then the second thing happened. So there are lots of different views. Here comes the explosion. Look at that. It looks like it's, a disaster movie. It, um, it really does. It does look like like a little tactical nuke that went off. Mm-hmm. It obviously wasn't. Uh, you didn't get the... That's what I was hilarious. There was actually an NBA analyst. Did you see this? Was was tweeting. Uh, he's a big-time NBA analyst, and he was tweeting. He was like, that's... This is not bullcrap. That, that's, nucle- that's a nuclear weapon that just went off. And we're like, dude, stick to basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> stick to basketball. Um, but yeah, and absolutely insane. See, no matter how you look at it, there's, there's multiple different views of this. There's been a lot of fake fake news going around that possibly Israel struck them with a missile. Uh, there was even one. Uh, look, that, look at that aftermath. The oh entire port, the entire port is devastated. Um, oh. But th- there was fake news that was going around that maybe Israel had something to do with it. There was a, a missile strike. Uh, when people looked at the missile strike, they found out that it was uh, birds flying in the air. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can see how those two can be mixed up a lot. Well, they're fast birds. They're fast, fast yeah. birds. <laughs> Deadly birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, none, and th- like you pointed out, this is so heavily documented. Th- there's no missile that hit that. We can wipe that off. That that didn't happen. We don't. We know the, just from what, from what we've been told so far is that a fireworks factory uh, lit off after a door on that factory was being welded. Um, the intense heat from that kicked off ammonium nitrate, which we'll get into that in a second. But there was thousands of pounds of ammonium nitrate that were just being stored in the most critical infrastructure point in the entire country. It's uh, brilliant. I will say it's a brilliant strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was actually wondering if I should uh, store a bunch of oily rags doused in lighter fluid next to my barbecue grill. (laughs) I didn't know the answer, so I was like, I'm going to reach out to the Lebanese government officials because they seem to be the experts on this. Because that is absolutely, I mean, that seems to be the official uh, line right now that the fireworks factory, and you can see in, in some of that video, you can see the popping off of fireworks, what appears to be fireworks before the major explosion. Yeah. It does seem like that was related, but the idea that ammonium nitrate, which is used to make bombs, would be stored there is, is odd. 
So let's go into the speculation a little bit yeah. because so corruption within that port is well known. It's heavily documented over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And the current um, customs chief has also been implicated in, in corruption. Uh, I, I just found something uh, two years ago where he was saying, no, no, trust me, I, I, I promise I'm not corrupt, you know, but... Oh, well, that's good. Like, dude, this is you like, promised. this is your 85th corruption, you know, allegation. Yeah. Maybe you're corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's saying that, and he's saying that he was the one that was trying to get that out of there. He was making requests over the past six years. That's how long it's been there. The Monu Matcher was seized off of a ship Housed here in a warehouse at the port, it's been there for six years, just sitting there. So he's saying, "I've been, I've been putting all these requests in, and the uh-huh. judiciary won't let. You know, hasn't responded. The problem is, he doesn't need the judiciary's permission to move f- this dangerous chemical out of his port. That's right. his job. Yeah, he doesn't need them. So either he's corrupt, and he was looking to sell this himself. This is my theories here. Um, that's a possibility. There's another possibility that hey, maybe he did sell it already to Hezbollah." When you look into Hezbollah more, Hezbollah has already been caught storing ammonium nitrate. Now, this is the same chemical that was used in the Oklahoma City bombing. Yep. Just, just for context there. But they already, they've already been caught uh, storing this chemical in Germany and the UK. Um, they traced it back to Hezbollah. This is one of the ways Hezbollah likes to pre-position things to do a, a big explosion. Yeah. Um, Hezbollah also, their leader, threatened Israel saying that they would blow up an Israeli port with ammonium nitrate. Wow. So the optics do not look good here. No. Uh, not for Hezbollah. I do not buy that this customs chief just had this there and he, the, he was being stonewalled and moving it out. There's a lot we don't know about. Um, don't believe the fake news on a lot of this stuff because the, the president said that his general said it was a bomb. Uh, I think personally what happened in, in the situation room, yeah. his general said, look, Mr. President, these chemicals are used in bombs. We know that Hezbollah has also, you know, right. looked to do this. He sort of translated that he into took it that was a bomb, right? And said too much. And I, I, I don't think there's any evidence right now at all as far as how this kicked off. It very well could, it probably was an accident that it, when it kicked off. That's not the issue here. The issue, well, it is an issue because of the devastation. But what we should be looking at now is, um, and besides of caring for all the people that have been killed, uh, over a hundred and thousands injured. And that number's gonna go way up. Way up, yeah. yeah, they don't know the full tally yet. But the real issue now is, what, why was this uh, chemical stored there? And who was involved? I think Hezbollah, prob- my opinion is Hezbollah will probably be implicated. But at, at the moment, like I said, this is the worst time ever for this to happen. Everything going on with Hezbollah, the financial crisis, the pandemic, everything going on right now. I haven't seen it this, you know, volatile in the area since 2006 when they went to war with Israel. It's bad. It's that bad. And, you know, it's interesting, too, in that, like, all the stuff that's going on uh, with, you know, mainly the virus, but also the economic uh, catastrophe sort of attached to that is interesting that people who want to create havoc, who want to take down a regime, who want to you know, destroy. This is the time, you know, like this is the time where we're so already on our heels. We're already in so much trouble. Something like that could actually happen. And it would be so difficult to come back from. We can't come back from regular life right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, yeah, looking at looking at Lebanon, I don't know how they come back from this. I really don't. I, I, they're, they're so devastated right now economically. They can barely feed anybody, and those, and with no money, with hardly any money coming in as as, as it is, now you've just halted all you know traffic coming in yeah. 
through that port. Yeah, I mean, show, show that video one more time as we're talking. But there, um, you can see the, vid- the the building right next to it, that small white building that just goes away. That's the grain silo, right? That's the grain silo. So yeah. when you can't feed your people, you don't necessarily want to blow up a grain silo. And I, I heard one analyst talking about that specific grain silo. It's re- I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's it's a, it's it's responsible for storing a very large amount of their food supply. So yeah, I, I know it's there's just and, and and to your point also you. That's the other thing that's going to cloud this because there will be so many people that they know the situation on the ground that would want to take advantage of this. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that this would be Hezbollah on purpose. Hmm. I, I, who knows over there, some rival yeah. competing faction that would, that would want to see something kick off and throw them into civil war because they are at the brink. I mean, this is totally a plot from 24, right? Like this is the totally type of thing that would happen in 24. Yep. Uh, hopefully, I mean, look, your best case scenario here is it's just a really dumb mistake. Um, uh, but it, it it's so, ex- it just doesn't seem possible by looking at it. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, people, it, sometimes you, you never lose points by guessing that just incompetence is the cause of <laughs> yeah. something. So we'll see if that's if that's the way it plays out. Uh, before, um, before I let you go, uh, the NBA. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> I can't take it. I was watching Jalen Brown from the Celtics, and I ranted on this the other day about he's quoting Angela Davis, the communist um, uh, the, she, he's, he's talking about, um, you know, uh, saying the founding fathers have implanted anti-slave stuff in the, in the star spangled banner, the stuff that's not true. Oh my I gosh. Mean, and, and you can't watch these games without them assaulting you constantly with this. It's like, I understand that you want to maybe like, you know, beginning of the game, the national anthem is still somewhat of a story for some reason. But the fact that like every piece of the game has to be dominated by coverage about how people feel about the national anthem is it's just, it's ridiculous. I, 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 the opening day I tuned in, I was actually talking to our friend Dan mm-hmm. and we're texting and I'm like, Hey, you watching this? And he was like, yeah, I tuned in, you know, like in the middle of it. I did the same thing. I didn't watch it in the very beginning because I thought that's when they were going to do yeah. all stuff Mm -hmm. so this was like in the midway through the second quarter and they're like oh and a nice drive by so and so you know what this reminds me this reminds me about black lives matter (laughs) i was like how how it was a cool drive had nothing to do with a marxist uh, group no no what's going on here (laughs) you can't get away from it they went on they just let the game go in the background and they talked about social justice for at least 10 minutes yeah they just uh, it was insane is what is is this product a sports product is it? Because I they don't Moment? seem to be focusing on it at all. Yeah. You know, it just seems to be an excuse for them to talk about white fragility. Yeah. And it's like, I don't... I, Have you seen numbers? I've heard they're down. I mean, we had Clay Travis on uh, yesterday, and Clay said that the numbers are are way down. Um, and it's this, like, right, like, there's some limit here, right? There's some limit of, as to what we can take, and everyone has a different limit. You know, I said to him, it's like, you know, if Carson Wentz joined ISIS tomorrow, I would still watch the Eagles. There's, <laughs> but everyone has some sort of limit there. At some point, you can make this, forget about whether it even bothers you, I'm not... It's not a political product. It's supposed to be some escapism. Yeah. We can understand that there's going to be ties to this, that some of these stories are going to be covered. But, I mean, it is all they're talking about all the time. It's amazing that the numbers are down. I was curious about that. I assume they would go down. But think about, like, sports fans have been salivating for something to watch. And there's been nothing. And now that they have something... People are not tuning in. This oh. is this is gonna this is gonna bite them. I guarantee. And it's the NFL is another animal, but I think that it's going to bite them too. I think a lot of people are just fed up with it. Yeah, I think there's a line. 
You know, I mean, I, like the NFL has announced a bunch of this stuff, but they've all they've also said it's happening week one. And they keep saying that. So we'll see if it continues to go on week after week after week. It'll be different. My pledge is the same. I'm not watching for it till at least week five. If I, you look at me at week five and if the Cowboys are five and oh, mm-hmm. just let me know and then I'll switch it on. But not until. There is no chance. I would, <laughs> I would tell you they were owned five in a second. Jason Buttrell, he's a head researcher and writer for Glenn Beck. Uh, and tonight, the you, you, so Glenn obviously was off radio today. He's not feeling well. What's going on for tonight's show? Yeah, so we originally planned to talk about the Great Reset, and that's a, 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 a thing from the World Economic Forum. And people all over the world, politicians, elites, corporations, everyone, yeah. to reset the economy, not restart it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely insane. We wanted to show you that tonight. We're going to put that on off and tonight instead because we did a show called event 201 Mm -hmm. and it was about a war game for a pandemic yeah uh, which just happened conveniently a few months before uh the actual symptoms started popping up everywhere but it was that that wasn't the thing it was more on what the solutions they wanted to do in the wake of a pandemic okay so it's pretty closely tied to what you're gonna do it's very tied and some of the same people involved there are involved in this thing we're gonna reveal so you have to watch tonight it'll be a good refresher for the great reset coming up all right cool jason buttrell thanks for coming on the program you can always go uh, check out Jason's work with Glenn uh, on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll save 10 bucks. Back in a second. In normal circumstances, you'd prefer not to run for president as an incumbent during a global pandemic. It just like wouldn't be your, your top choice. The only thing that can bail you out of a situation like that is to have an opponent like Joe Biden. Luckily for Donald Trump, he has an opponent like Joe Biden. Here is the latest bizarre moment from Biden as he attempts to talk about his cognitive abilities. Have you taken a cognitive test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump, who brags about wow. his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? Well, if he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean... I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There are going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, I I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't I I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical mental my physical as well as my mental fitness. Man, that, that is just tight. I want to make fun of it, but it's so tough to watch, uh, frankly. Uh, multiple times in there, he has no idea where he's going. Um, oh, gosh, that is, that's tough to watch right there. Um, I'm trying to think where to go with that because, you know, look, he, he, he's, he's trying. I don't know why they keep putting him out there, honestly. I, I don't think anybody's really demanding interviews from Joe Biden at this point. I mean, everyone kind of looks at this and says, this is a referendum on Trump, and I don't think you're going to really be able to make it all that much about Biden anyway. Why even trot him out there? <sighs> That's tough to watch. Now, you want to 
try to give him a break there. One of the excuses they've used for all of his real problems uh, figuring these things out is, is a stuttering issue he had as a kid. I think you could argue that the part at the end where he's trying to say fitness and he can't say it, it does scream um, some connection uh, to a stuttering issue. The rest of it, though, I don't know. I don't know where you put that. I mean, he thinks he's funny and he thinks he's got this vibe with this guy where he's like, ah, come on, are you doing cocaine? As we all know, and I don't even need to say it. If a Republican or Donald Trump said to an African-American uh, anchor, hey, did you take a cocaine test today? We all know how that would be covered in the media. It would not be covered favorably. Biden, first of all, does that, tries to laugh, then seems to laugh in the middle of the question when there's not a joke during the question, then stumbles over his word. Let's can we watch that clip? Do we have it one more time? I mean, listen to listen to the middle of this, because you're probably going to lose it with the stutter thing at the end and the, and the cocaine at the beginning. Listen to the middle of this. I mean, it's it's just gibberish. Have you taken a cognitive? No, test? I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think? Huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump who brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? Why is he laughing there? Well, well, if he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, okay. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Okay. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity so to sit with the president or have? stand with the president in debates. There can be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, it, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something yeah. I, don't, I, I probably shouldn't say. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental my physical as well as my mental fitness. Ugh, that's really I mean he literally looks down at a piece of paper to remember that he's willing to let people look at his physical and mental fitness. That's not a good sign for a campaign. I increasingly this is harder and harder to look at and laugh at but i i guess we have no no real choice in this one it's a hell of a year man it's a hell of a year um if you're looking for a job i mean the coronavirus has been very difficult on the economy and it's been very difficult for a lot of people to find jobs let me just recommend something for you say something negative about donald trump a book deal right around the corner we've got a new one coming from fiona hill She's got a book deal now coming out. Obviously, she testified in the hearing, um, and I guess that's enough. That's what you need now. Now, look, John Bolton can write a book. He's been a conservative figure for a million years. You can understand him writing a book as he leaves, whether you like that or not. Fiona Hill, less so. I mean, no one really knew who she was. She's had one. But, I mean, she's had a role in the government. She might have insight, but no, no, no one really knows you know, who she was as of you know, a couple of months ago. The one that really bothers me is the Mary Trump one, which I believe outsold uh, even Bolton's book. Of what possible value could Donald Trump's niece, like I, a book from Donald Trump's niece who's been estranged for him for many years? Why on earth would anyone read that nonsense? I don't know. Maybe the Fiona Hill book will be better. Uh, Rashida Tlaib has won her Democratic primary in Michigan. Not a huge surprise. I will say one of the things we're noticing here in the primaries is that the far left is doing pretty well. 
running candidates against uh, incumbents. I think it's seven or eight they've knocked out uh, so far, which is much, much bigger than, uh, you know, the year of the squad. Uh, they this is, you know, look, this is a socialist party at this point. It's growing increasingly that way. Biden, you can argue, is a remnant from the past, but there's not much more really uh, to, to argue there. I mean, you, it's it's you have the president, uh, the presidential nominee. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes for this VP pick, because if he goes super mega woke, you, you can tell this party is in the control of socialists. We are there. I mean, never did you think in your life that you'd see a socialist president of the United States. Uh, and depending on who we picked for VP, we may see one soon. Remember, the last two election cycles, uh, a, a, a Democratic socialist almost won. I mean, Bernie Sanders had the lead this time and was you know, competitive last time. This is going a crazy direction for the United States of America. And when I talk about crazy, obviously I have to bring up Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. His uh, his handling of this uh, whole coronavirus thing has been, as I've stated multiple times on this program, horrific. The worst in the world. Worse than Wuhan. If you happen to be a bat salesman at the Wuhan market, I'd rather have you running our coronavirus response than Andrew Cuomo. Uh, Northern Italy, uh, New Orleans. Where, what hot spot do you want to name? None of them were as bad as New York. He spread it around to the entire tri-state area, which are the, uh, the people in second and third place uh, as far as how bad this got. And most of those people just came from New York working and brought it back to their home states. New York's spread it all around the country. All around the country was the New York strain. Now, one of the things that's really bothered me throughout this is the nursing home situation in New York. For multiple reasons. Um, Andrew Cuomo was one of only five governors that intentionally imported COVID positive patients into nursing homes. I mean, if you had a plot to kill old people, I don't know how you'd execute it any differently. He was the only governor in America who thought it was appropriate to ban nursing homes from testing patients for COVID-19 when they came in to the nursing home. Why? He didn't want to discriminate against uh, people uh, based on their COVID-19 status. It's an infectious disease. You kind of do want to discriminate against them because of their COVID-19 status. That's kind of the whole defense against a virus like this. And Andrew Cuomo was the only governor in the United States and including the only uh, and continuing to this day, the only governor in the, in the entire United States uh, that is counting uh, as non-nursing home deaths, people who lived in a nursing home got super duper sick at a nursing home. And then like five minutes before they died, got to the hospital and died at the hospital. They're counting those as deaths in hospitals. They're the only state in the union doing this. And it's the reason why Cuomo can come out and say, well, we're actually 34th or 35th in the nation when it comes to deaths in nursing homes. Well, no, you're not. OK, listen to this exchange. Now they're starting to even the Democrats in New York are starting to press him on this. Uh, they had Health Commissioner uh, Dr. Howard Zucker there. And he, this is the exchange with Democrats in New York. Uh, much ire was voiced over inconsistencies over the data reporting, including the department's decision to stop reporting nursing home resident deaths occurring in hospitals midway through the pandemic. Uh, here's a quote from the Democrat. It is my opinion that your administration's definition truly misrepresents the scale of the crisis as a result. So let's try to get a full picture here. How many New York, uh, New York's nursing home residents died in hospitals? Zucker refused to answer. He was pressed again by a Democrat. You don't have a ballpark that you could give. 
So like the total official number is about 6,500. Are we talking 8,000, 10,000, 15,000? What are we looking at? Uh, he said, I was not, I'm not prepared to give you uh, a specific number. We are in the middle of a pandemic, obviously. And I think we forget about that sometimes. Another Democrat, uh, Rivera from the Bronx, he said, none of us are trying to castigate y'all here for doing the very difficult work that had to be done. But it seems to me that patting ourselves on the back for victory is a little far fetched, considering that we still have more deaths than anyone else in the country, both in nursing homes and overall deaths. The concern here, sir, is it seems that the definition you've had to admit that maybe you never will, that the fact that the definition was changed that the report on a certain date included those numbers and then afterward it did not. It seems that what you're trying to do is minimize. Zucker said, look, we've been very transparent on this. Rivera went back at him. It seems, sir, that in, the ca- in this case, you are choosing to define it differently so you can look better. That is a problem. This thing's going to crash down on Cuomo and his entire administration at some point. We promise we'll be here to watch it collapse. Trying to sell your home is challenging, especially in this kind of arena we're in right now, in the COVID era. Uh, When you have a home that you're trying to sell or a home you want to buy, you need realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the website Glenn created. You might know Glenn. He's a Radio Hall of Fame nominee. Go to RadioVote.com, by the way, to vote for Glenn in the Radio Hall of Fame. This is like the Real Estate Agent Hall of Fame. This is where you go when you find the best real estate agents from across the country. They've already been screened for you. You don't have to worry about trying to figure out who's good and who's terrible. You'll be in the most capable hands possible. Experienced people who will see your selling process through to the very end. Or if you're looking to buy, the same thing. I think one of the best uses of Real Estate Agents at Trust.com is for people that are moving to new areas. I don't know who to, who, I mean, I'm just moving. I got a job in another city. Who's a good real estate agent? I have no idea. You, know, you can just guess and pick somebody off a bench, or you can go to realestateagentsitrust.com and pick the best. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. TCU uh, football head coach Gary Patterson apologized for using a racial slur. Uh, you never want that to be the way an article about you starts. Um, however, this one's a little weird. Um, he apologized for using the racial slur Sunday while telling a player to stop saying the racial slur. So basically, a player was saying the N-word. He said, hey, you, don't say the N-word. And now he's apologizing for saying the N-word. A bunch of players boycotted practice afterward. I love this quote, though, from one of the players. We were in the locker room and Coach Patterson discussing ways to move forward. I feel he understood he couldn't say that word regardless. We also asked Coach to quit saying, I don't see color, because he has to see it. Uh, all out, full frontal assault on the vision of Martin Luther King is what we are witnessing in this country. I hope that is connecting with everybody. Back in a second. Make sure to review the show on iTunes. A couple great ones today. Uh, This stupid show will make you smarter. Since I started listening to Stu Does America, I have become more informed and by the same virtue, demonstrably demonstrably less happy. Sorry about that. I've also developed a fondness for graphs, which as a liberal arts major, I find quite disturbing. I can also now count to five, which I've been advised is the appropriate number of stars. Misery loves company, I suppose. Conservators unite or whatever. Five freaking stars. How about this one? Not one star, not two stars, not three stars, not four stars, but... 
five freaking stars. Legendary show. This show makes me not hate my life. I love this stupid show. I love you. Please review the show on iTunes. Five freaking stars is the appropriate number of stars.